Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Rams and BSN Buffs podcasts presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase them online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon it's game day it's game day man i as always justin michael bsn rams joined by henry chisholm of bsn buffs we're doing a joint podcast uh last time i made a really bad joke from bojack horseman (laughs) and it went right over (laughs) hank's head so uh, yeah i'm not gonna do that one again no no bad jokes this time um i'm so excited I'm so excited to actually watch football. You know, you get to watch some of the practices. A little bit. I mean, it's not the sexy stuff. It's indie period and stretching. But, but still, like just seeing guys in football pads on grass, I, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I think part of it too, just given that we do follow the Denver Broncos, you and I don't have to cover them, but just given how awful this preseason has been, I think it's made me crave college football so much more. And I mean, I always crave college football. It's the best. But just with this truly awful preseason, Henry and I, ugh, ugh, that's all you can say. Kevin Hogan. Who is that guy? Kevin Hogan. That doesn't even sound like a football player. No, you won't even have to know who he is in a week or two. Kevin Hogan sounds like he should sell car insurance. Yes, he does. And he probably will here pretty soon. (laughs) Uh, R.I.P. Real football, though. Real football, though. It's game day. What What are you excited to see? Honestly, I'm just excited to see if all of this positivity and look, CSU, it's been a lot of sunshine coming out of their camp this August. And given how awful last season went, I think that makes sense. It, it You can tell that the vibe is better. The locker room is more together. Is that actually going to translate to being a better football team, though? I mean, I just, I don't think we've seen anything this fall that can really definitively answer that. So, you know, tonight we finally have the chance to see what is this CSU team made of. You know, CU, I'm excited to see LaVisca freaking Chenault. Dude's going to be a superstar. I'm a little nervous about CSU trying to cover him, though. I I wouldn't be nervous about it because we already know what's going to happen. (laughs) Like, There's no reason to be nervous and think about it too much. When they throw the ball to LaVisca, LaVisca is going to catch the ball and gain a bunch of yards. He's going to score. You, you, you know, the, the strategy everybody's been talking about is just like double team, triple team LaVisca. Make him use everybody else. Part of me just thinks like, let him beat you. Hope he has a couple drops. Hope the one guy <laughs> stick on him. Like, like definitely leave a safety over top. But maybe just, you know, just accept it. I and mean, then he's try to try his. to win everywhere else. Bobo kind of alluded to that to an extent. He was like, "Look, you know, and this guy's a phenomenal athlete." One of the media guys in Fort Collins asked him, "Like, is the key to slowing down Lavisca just getting an awesome pass rush?" And he was like, "Really?" He's like, "It's going to be effective to help slow down Steven Montez." But honestly, with the way CU can get the ball to Chenault in so many different ways, be it with the screens, and I know you've mentioned that they're trying to go more pro style this year, and maybe not going to do quite as much of the the screens and the plays behind the line of scrimmage that they did last year but they always have that option they do and as an opposing defense like that's terrifying just knowing at any point they can just dump it to him and he'll take it 89 yards to the house he can do that kind of stuff who do you think that the rams will try to put on him 
I imagine Rashad Ajayi would be the cornerback that they would try and shadow him for He's the kind most of part. small though, right? Yeah, he's not huge, but to be honest, CSU doesn't really have a corner that comes near the size of LaVisca <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Huh. So, you know, like you said, I think you're going to go over top with the safeties. They're they're pretty excited about this kid. They got Logan Stewart. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, posted a recorded time of like 23 miles an hour on the practice field wow. a while back. So he can fly. He's a hard hitter. I think they're going to try and hope that, you know, if LaVisca gets the ball near the line of scrimmage or beats the corner, that his speed and physicality can kind of make up for that but we'll see man he's just like you said he's such a phenomenal athlete there's only so much you can do to keep up with somebody like that yeah seriously and that's why a part of me does just think like go ahead like that is going to happen no matter what you try to do and if you allocate too many resources then you're just leaving yourself exposed everywhere else like leave a safety high have the cornerback play kind of like underneath coverage see if you can sandwich him in there a little bit hope hope that's good enough but then make sure everybody else is focused on the rest of these receivers because the buffs have a lot more talent than just LaVisca and I think that sometimes they get overshadowed because of LaVisca people forget that Katie Nixon is a real deep threat as well as being somebody who you can get the ball to underneath and let him make a play you know Dimitri Stanley Tony Brown these are all guys who individually it's easy to get excited about them because you could see how they they could really contribute to a winning football team but there's just so many you know they go six seven deep at receiver that you just don't know who's going to be asked to contribute and so they kind of get overshadowed by each other that's definitely a fair point I'm I'm really interested to see Dimitri Stanley. Always fun to watch a local kid. I mean, suiting up as a true freshman, that's a big deal. But from your perspective, is 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 Stanley kind of the, the wild card for the offense this year? R, you know, RK kind of talked about that on the Denver Sports Podcast. The easy answer would be Katie Nixon if LaVisca Chenault, tough, tough pronunciation apparently, <laughs> um, is covered. But, you know, Stanley's a phenomenal athlete. And if he's matched up against like a number three, number four cornerback, that's a pretty ideal matchup from CU's standpoint. It is. The thing about Dimitri Stanley is that he's a slot guy. And though that's that's a position where you expect somebody to take some time to grow. You know, if you're big and you're fast and you can run a straight line down the field and then catch the ball. That's not coachable. That's yeah, just you talent. could do that at any happen. level. Yeah. <laughs> We only got to see Dimitri Stanley in that one open practice this fall, but he did look like he had those more nuanced parts of his game very refined. And I talked about this on the podcast on Wednesday, but uh, he, when he gets to the top of his route, when he's starting to make his break, the way he chops his feet and then it's just that stop and go so unpredictable so tough to get your hands on him so tough to stick with him for that you know half second where he's making up his decision or showing you what he's going to do he's tough to stay on top of he is really quick but we still like you got to see him in a game you got to see whether he's a very good slot receiver right now or somebody who can fill that role until he gets more experience in a year or two with so much of the focus going to the CU wide receivers Steven Montez senior quarterback it makes sense it wouldn't it wouldn't be shocking to me if the buffs actually came out and tried to run the football a little bit especially early try and set up play action um i mean as we all know montez is a phenomenal athlete i think he had a 38 yard rushing touchdown last year yeah first touchdown of the game who who in that buffs backfield has potential to you know be a game record we don't 
really know is the easy answer. Exactly. Like, I I can't, I've been trying to read about it and figure it out, and everyone's going to be like, you know, there's a couple guys, and they all like them, but which one is it actually going to be? And the weirdest part for me is that we don't know whether they have four really good running backs or four guys you hope can be a a decent running back this season and so it's it's just like the level of talent between those four is the big question mark because you know we we know who they are Alex Fontenot is going to be the number one I'm I'm confident in that is that 40 percent of the snaps he's on the field is that 75 80 percent who knows behind him is Jaron Mangum Fontenot's a sophomore uh Mangum is a true freshman he's a big kid 6'2 215 I want to say behind them there's uh uh Dion Smith who's more of a breakaway type of back you know change of pace guy exactly somebody who you're hoping can get through the hole find a crease and get big yards and then Jaron Mangum was listed number four, and I think he's their best option as receiving back. And the fact that he's number four instead of one of these other guys makes you think all four of these guys should be seeing the field. That's going to be interesting. I think CSU is likely going to go with the running back by committee approach as well. Marcus McElroy, junior running back, guy with good size, runs extremely physical. He's likely going to be that number one guy, but it's definitely going to be a situation where you see senior Marvin Kinsey in the mix. He has had a great fall camp. He looks really explosive, runs well. We saw great flashes out of him a couple years ago as a true freshman. Have yet to kind of see it since... It's going to be interesting with both of these backfields. I think both teams are going to want to run the football, but I really think when it comes down to it, it's Steven Montez versus Colin Hill. I do too. I really do. Um, And these Buffs running backs, I mean, the number one back is a sophomore. Number two is a true freshman. Number three is a redshirt freshman. Number four is a redshirt freshman. We just don't know anything about these guys. Like we haven't gotten to see them play at all. And it's exciting. But that, that, it, it's, it's really exciting. Nerv- I feel like I'd be nervous if I was a Buffs fan too. Just inexperienced. It's a big game, week one. Yep. You know, and last year the Buffs offensive line manhandled that Rams front. They really did, yeah. They they were opening running lanes everywhere. And you know, I mean, I know the Rams defensive line is supposed to be much improved. The Buffs offensive line seems like it's improved as well. If 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 both of them have improved at the same pace, you'd think that this would be an opportunity for the Buffs to really gain some momentum with those running backs before they head into Nebraska. And you know, Air Force, you just is Air Force. It's kind of like in its own little world of difficulty to play them but then you get into Pac-12 play and you want to have a couple running backs with some confidence you want to know who you can trust oh definitely you want to be able to control the pace you got Nebraska coming into town it's going to be a huge matchup you definitely don't want that to turn into a I mean a shootout with CU's offense I don't think that's something the Buffs would ever be scared of but just no the ability the ability to control the tempo and dictate you know the pace of the game it's so crucial and I think we're going to see in this first week and you know moving forward out of Steven Montez the growth in that area you've mentioned a lot that you've liked how he's matured do you think he is going to actually come out and just be a better leader of this offense in general I do I do think that he will be better we've heard a lot of people say that he's he seems like he's understanding that part of the job better you know I keep calling back to this, but the time he scored the touchdown, threw up the hand sign of the frat house. That kind of sums up what the issue has been with him. You know, it's it's that understanding where can he become 
a, a guy that his teammates rally around instead of a guy who's you know deferring to somebody like Katie Nixon who is more vocal or Tim Lanott who is more vocal and we don't know how much he has progressed but I am confident I mean just the fact that he's now a senior should help like he should be making this slow natural progression we've heard that uh, he is progressing at a pace that is impressing some of the people inside uh, both like the locker room but also the athletics department is that a big difference though or is this just another small change because it I, it does need to be a pretty big difference that's the tough part and it's especially in fall camp it's so hard to judge they're always going to say the right things you know what football coach what quarterback has ever come out in fall camp and been like man our effort was just abysmal we suck we're immature we haven't learned anything from losing seven straight games last year that's not what they're gonna say it's gotta it's gotta be so rare to hear something like that because that's your last ditch effort to light a fire under these guys after everything else hasn't worked you call them out in a media and just say nope it's it's not happening. This is this is why this is going to be a dumpster fire this season. Going to be interesting to see. I I thought you know I I haven't had a ton of experience around Stephen Montez. I don't know him that well personally. I did get a few minutes with him one on one at the media luncheon thing, and admittedly I was I was impressed with his demeanor. He he came off composed. He came off confident, but not not necessarily cocky or arrogant. I think. He did. I think the seven-game losing skid did humble him to an extent. It'd have to. How would it not? You know. Yeah. Man, football. I'm so excited. Me too. And one more note on this running game thing, where we're talking about the ability to control the pace. The biggest flaw for the Buffs right now is the secondary. That's what's unpredictable. There's talent. There's a great scheme. Whether the talent is ready to be on the field and whether they've picked up on the scheme, we don't know, and there are quite a few reasons to be a little bit scared. And if you can't run the ball and run out the clock, you're just giving the other team more opportunities after you've built a lead to go down the field and make a play, tie the game up, that kind of stuff. And, and, and that's something that, you know, I'm pretty confident that the Buffs are going to win this game. They're going to have, maybe they don't finish with a 2-3 touchdown lead, but at some point I do think it kind of gets into that range. That's when we'll get a first taste of whether the Buffs secondary can, you know, shut the door on teams. Whether they can run the, run the ball and just finish, finish the game off, you know. I think that's a good point and and we'll keep talking about this in just a second we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor but man the secondary as csu found out last year like it can be so detrimental if no lead is ever safe i'm not from the outside looking in i don't look at cu secondary and be and i'm not just like man those are weak like i, I don't see that also, CSU's offensive line <laughs> makes me nervous, so even if their corners can't <laughs> cover, I'm not sure the quarterback's going to have time to get them the football anyways. If CU has a big lead, two, three-score lead, like you mentioned. Do you think it may get to at some point? We'll see if it stays that way. And the bus start you know, bringing the house, trying to really pressure Colin Hill. The game could get ugly. It, 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 we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and, and it's easy to see in a game where if... if if one team does get out to a big lead, it's easy to say, no, that's the game's over, nothing worth watching. There's going to be a lot worth watching, even if this does turn out to be a blowout one way or the other, just because it is a chance to see how these teams will respond to those situations, whether they have the talent, because, you know, that's situational football. You want to see what happens when 
everything's balanced when you know it's it's a one score game you have time to get the ball downfield just that normal football circumstance situation but also in those other situations can they come back can they finish teams off because that's how you really see what a football team is about i think yeah i mean good football teams finish i think that's a corny saying and i really sound like a offensive coordinator or something <laughs> yeah, right there. Like, yeah yeah we gotta go out there and finish yep that's oh the yeah key. <laughs> but it's just, it's just so true like the best teams they step on the throat when they're up it's an attitude thing too oh absolutely. It's, it's, that's what most of it is actually it's just whether you have that killer instinct or on the other side, whether you have that like never give up, fight till the end, Tim Tebow type vibe, you know? Tim Tebow. Oh, I don't think CSU fans want their quarterback to be like Tim Tebow other than, you know, like you said, the competitive, <laughs> the competitive drive. Yeah. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Henry and I are currently sitting down enjoying a delicious Colorado core. Henry, just how delicious is that new release? It's incredible. And I really appreciate Breckenridge Brewery hooking up, hicking us up, hooking us up in the office with a refrigerator full of Breckenridge brews. It's a great idea, but I think to an extent, it's uh, the reason we can't get through this read because we're drinking a little too much delicious Breck brew. (laughs) That's definitely it. That's 100% it. Welcome back to the BSN Rams and BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Shout out one last time to Breckenridge Brewery located in Littleton, Colorado. Go over there on a game day, get your drink on, be like Hank and I. (laughs) Be like Justin and I. All right, Justin, uh, back to football after talking a lot about beer. Um, what, what should Buffs fans be scared of? Like, what is, what is the Rams' path to winning, you think? Turnovers. If, if CSU can come out and rattle Steven Montez, maybe get an interception or two, a strip sack, something like that, capitalize with some points... It's just going to flip the momentum of the whole game. I think you see it so often in football with a team that comes in thinking, you know, or just a team that has traditionally not had a lot of success against the other opponent. The other opponent comes in really confident and then things start to go bad and you just see the momentum shift. If CSU can come out in that first half, get a couple turnovers, maybe make some plays on special teams, which is really something they haven't been able to do over the last couple of years and just flip things in their favor, I think that's the way that CSU is able to keep this game close and potentially even steal a victory. I agree, because so much of what this football team wants to do this year, we've heard they're going to be physical, they're going to hit. This is this Mel Tucker SEC, you know, be mean angry mindset and you know when you come into a game like csu you know i've been talking to the guys and they say like yeah we're just gonna beat them down we just want to cut their heads off like that kind of stuff that's the attitude as soon as you put them back on their heels i think that that might even confuse them a little bit just because they spent so much time thinking like visualizing we're gonna go up big early we're gonna keep going we're just going to suck the life out of this football team whereas if you're going into a game against a team like you know nebraska for example you understand that you might have to be resilient you go in there thinking like we gotta get off to a hot start and if we don't then you know what take the body blows use your use your opportunities that you're given and it's it's definitely a different mindset going into that kind of game than it is going into this style of game so 
if if the Rams are able to get a quick turnover, score early, get up a score or two, it, that that could really throw off uh, this Colorado football team. I think we'll see. I mean, we talk so much about Steven Montez and his maturity, his resiliency in the in the beginning of the podcast. I think if you know CSU were to let's just say Montez comes, let's say for the sake of argument, you know CU comes out, they get the ball first, turn it over, Rams capitalize, score a touchdown, three and out, at a field goal or something like that, ten zero, yep. halfway through the first quarter. I, you know, I'll be really curious to see if all of a sudden you see Montez forcing it. You see him trying to just do too much because he's so used to just running, you know, straight through CSU. Yeah, and in, in that situation, I would really be paying attention to the sidelines because that's where you're going to see whether guys are, you know, is everybody like coming together? Are they huddling together, talking, communicating? Is Mel Tucker just cursing guys out on the sideline? Is Katie Nixon or LaVisca Chenault, you know, screaming at Steven Montez? You know, that's that's where you're really going to see whether this is a team that's mean, but in a very calculated way, you know, like serial killer type. <laughs> or, or is this just like crazy you know this is probably wrong but i i think of like those miami teams where it's just like a bunch of hotheads and if everything goes the right way they are going to beat the hell out of you but if things start to get messy it's it's just toxic you know and, and there's a big big difference between those two and we haven't seen which of those colorado is and one thing that you're gonna have to consider with this matchup just how it's gone over the last four years CSU wants this game badly. Like, CSU, I, I mean, we've talked about it all week. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but CSU wants to beat CU probably more than CU wants to beat CSU. Just given CU's one four straight, there's the whole complex about being a smaller school and the rivalry. You know, we don't need to go into details Ooh, of that. We covered that. <laughs> but see they want it like talking to the guys in the locker room guys like max mcdonald who grew up in fort collins he's a starting linebacker grew up dreaming of playing for csu has now experienced four consecutive losses genuinely heartbreaking i talked to some of the other guys on the team jalen bates he transferred in from arizona and you know he just kind of looked at us and he was like max's pitch to the team was so emotional and so heartfelt he's like jalen bates started to get emotional just talking about how much the game meant to max so like this is a this is a game where the defense in particular i think the offense has been a lot better about you know saying the right things like it's just another game it's week one it's we're not gonna blow it up the defense has been more like nah screw these guys like we want to win and i i think that that's that's really intriguing because you know Colorado like I said has that mindset but it's more of a yeah we're gonna stop these guys like when I when I asked the question like there was there was a group of guys at a soccer game that I was at and I was just like hey I just just wanted to like check in see what's going on how's meetings and stuff yeah what do you think of the CSU game and they're like oh oh we we got this like we're we're gonna beat these guys up and you know that's different than really wanting it the way that Colorado State does. And so much of college football is is just based on how... I almost want to say how stable the team is, you know, because these are college kids. They no, get yeah, up, they get down. Yeah. Like the the attitude, the way that this team is approaching the game, that's so huge. I agree. And from, you know, I've been around CSU football for about six years now. I used to work for the team. I've covered them for four now. 
And of all the CSU teams going into a game, I've never seen a Rams team that so desperately wants to beat CU. And I mean, because they've why never done they? it. We exactly. Why would none they? of them? None of them have done it. And if you're CU's standpoint, I think a lot of CSU fans right now are listening to this, and they're probably like, you know, these CU assholes. They're so cocky. But can can you really blame them? given how the last four games have gone and given how two of four have just not even been close. Going, uh, hi, this is Ali Monroy. Um, just adding on to, kind of going where you were talking, Henry, the Buffs do have a vengeance in a way, not necessarily with CSU, but they were an embarrassment the last half of their season. They want to start, they, they have that want. They want to start this season off with a bang. They want to beat CSU, head into Nebraska confident, but they they know how bad la- the last half of last season was, so... They have may not may not be as much as CSU in the sense of the Rocky Mountain Showdown, but they're angry and they don't they want Mel and everything that the new coaching staff has instilled on them to show this first week. That's definitely a fair point, and I think I don't want to imply that the Buffs don't want it or anything like that. Or, but you know, just I think it's a little bit easy for CU to just kind of overlook this matchup. I think they have that mindset, that want to, you know, have an incredibly successful season. But if we're being completely honest, I think a lot of Buffs fans, Buffs even maybe players are kind of looking at the season like it starts with Nebraska. Yeah, I do think that there's something to that. You know, I've said quite a few times, I'm not worried about this team getting up for CSU. Like with Mel Tucker, all this stuff that's going on, just the way these guys think they they want to win they're excited they aren't going to you know not prepare or play half speed or think that they can get away with cutting some corners i think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where they still stew or still do not dill stew they still do have that attitude where it's like we are going to go in there and we are going to rip these guys heads off and if they come out and the Rams catch a couple breaks early and things aren't going the way they anticipated, the way the Buffs have been thinking they'd go, that's where it starts to get sketchy. Allie's back. I can I can see that. As as a like from what I know about Buffs fans, almost everyone I know doesn't take this game as a oh, we're just gonna easily destroy CSU. There's always that factor of a what if when it comes to this game. And it's nerve wracking because obviously Buffs fans want to be confident and they're like, oh yeah, we're totally gonna win. But this game is just one of those games, one of those like rivalries with a school that you just honestly never know. And they want to come out on this last Rocky Mountain showdown at Mile High and and win. And I do think that from what they've learned last season with losing so many straight uh, is that they know how to try and get back up when things aren't going their way. They're going to, I think, I mean, they're going to need to be able to do that, obviously, if they're going to have the type of season that they're hoping for. Then the national narrative hasn't been so far that CU is going to come out as this great team. Definitely hasn't been for CSU. I think they're projected at like three and four wins apiece. Henry and I both agree that CSU and CU will win more games than they are projected to win. Three and four. That's so low. How, how do you not win more than three games if you're the Colorado State Rams? I mean, if they just given on the schedule based on some of the guys that are coming, some of the teams that are coming in, like if you can't beat more than Western Illinois, you know, New Mexico and and UNLV, State? San yeah, Jose State, yeah. some of these schools, like 
you you need to <laughs> you need to refocus your priorities. It's we, bad. A lot of the conversations we've had over the last couple weeks will be mute points if they're losing to teams like that. That's true. I think I don't know. I, I think that this has been a good talk about this kind of stuff. One last point is you know we spent a lot of that first segment talking about how the buffs. We will, there's a good chance we'll get to see whether the Buffs know how to close a game. When they get a lead, is the secondary going to be able to hold their own and just end things? Can they run the ball, run out the clock? But we didn't talk about, you know, do the Buffs have the big playability late if the game is close? Because that's where our mind is at going into this. And I think that that kind of like exemplifies the one potential flaw that you just hope that the coaching staff and the players aren't thinking the same thing where it's like, what is my job going to be as as somebody in the secondary? My job is going to be, you know, for the first half, play good textbook football, be in good position, make plays when you have the opportunity. But in the second half, take a couple steps back, be a little relaxed. Like just don't give up big plays, make them work, grind down the field, don't give up the big chunks. You know, they aren't thinking I could be a guy who would have to be in there, pick a ball off late to give us a chance to win. I think that kind of like sums up kind of where we're talking about this potential route to a win for Colorado State. Well, it's just like the difference in experience. So much of it has to do with recency. And if you grew up watching CSUCU or, you know, if you have a deeper understanding of the history of the game like Allie does or where you can point to some of the closer games, it makes sense that like, yes, like this game could go anyway. But it's tough to have that mindset, like you said, when you're just so used to it not even being competitive. And what we're going to see from this bus team is if if CSU comes out competitive and keeps it close, we're really going to see just the maturity of this bus team in week one. And, you know, if whether that mind that SEC mindset that they like to talk about so much yeah. is really translating. Yeah, I think so. If you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or if you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Winester. Winester is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Winester special is that the majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Winester, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then... When you fall in love with a couple wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping costs. Hey, Justin, guess what? What? That was my first time ever doing that read. Wow. Yeah, I We're didn't even history. like didn't even like scope it out before. Got through it pretty clean, even. Eh, I mean, eh. it could have been better. It'll be better next time. We're not trying to beat you while you're down or anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, into the final segment now, and this is where we are going to make. Our predictions for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Oh, man. The time has come. The time has come. We are just hours away. Just we hours are just away. 28 or something hours away because it's an 8, eight o'clock start, which is just absurd to me. 
I, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I like for from the traffic standpoint. I think it'll be good for tailgating because yep. you can get down there and have plenty of time. Yep. But college football games, man, they're already so long. It's going to be well probably after midnight by the yep. time this game actually ends. It's and then be that's when we when start we working. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't. They don't care about that. No, they don't. They, they don't, don't care, care that they we're just, not going to leave till three. They just want to make sure everybody has enough time to drink beer outside so that they don't have to sell beer inside another lame decision like i get that stuff got rowdy in in the late 90s and they had to make some changes but let let people buy beer come on now can yeah yeah seriously that's just incredible to me alley's make your face alley's shocked no they aren't selling beer club level only i think club level only unfortunately only the high rollers get to drink inside the stadium only the people who can be trusted and as we all know the people we trust are the people with the money always follow the money <laughs> i think so yeah i believe they did I don't, i'm not sure if that's new or not but yeah so that's a uh, that's a bad bad rule and hopefully you guys are hearing this before you go out there so that you know bring a flask to the parking lot go to a tailgate do something because you're not allowed to have fun in the stadium unless of course you're underage we can't encourage underage drinking although I found out the hard way, you know, you can underage drink. There's just a consequence to be paid. Yeah. I can't believe you're the guy here with the MIP. I have two MIPs. It's just absurd. That's absurd. Yeah. And it happened in a two month stretch and both were outside of football games. What happens to you when you get an MIP? What do you have to do? A lot of community service. The oh, second where'd one, you volunteer? Uh, Arc Thrift Store. Nice. Yeah. Did, w- you, did you ever find any good stuff for yourself there? Yes, I found it. Okay, then, uh, then it shouldn't count. <laughs> it shouldn't count. And I got it for free. They gave it to me for free. Oh, really? Yeah, they were like, you like that? And I was like, huh. oh, yeah, pretty cool. And they are like, just take it. Maybe I, I don't should... think that's the official ARC policy, but the manager that was there that day was just like, screw it, man. Take it. Yeah, maybe I should like lose my ID. Oh, I could make a fake ID so I can get an MIP and yeah. go get free stuff. Just so that, you know, for the stories and yeah. the retweets. Exactly. Exactly. Find a fake ID that says I'm 20. Moving back to football, though, because Allie gave another look. Um, okay, Justin, we've uh, we've danced around it as much as we can. Who's winning this football game? Look, so much of me wants to say that CSU is going to come out and win this game, and I, I genuinely do believe that it's going to be a really competitive matchup. The 14, 14 and a half point line, whatever it ends up being, I think is a little bit absurd just given that CU is under a first year head coach. They're trying to do a new system on offense. A lot of what ifs that we're still going to find. But in the end, I think CU's athleticism ends up being just a little bit too much. I see them winning this game somewhere somewhere around, you know, 34 to 23, something like that. Okay. I think, I think that's a good guess. I think that there's definitely a way that that plays out. I do think that the Buffs will score more just because this offense and the firepower and the fact that they are a pass-first offense leads me to believe that they're going to be putting up some big-time points. And with CSU, I could see them creeping back inside that point line late i think that's that's what worries me i think like i said earlier i do think that the buffs are going to get you know 17 point lead or something at some point it's just whether that dwindles away and it ends up being a one score game at the end um let me ask you this if cu let's say the game is tied with you know two or three minutes left in the third quarter are you gonna be sweating 
Well, I won't be sweating because I don't really have a dog in the play. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's your worst case scenario that, you know, when when you are expected to win, every minute that ticks off the clock that you haven't built a lead, that you aren't building on your lead, that's bad. That's really bad. If, if it's gotten that far and the buffs haven't been able to separate themselves... I mean, then there's 15 minutes left, and it's a smaller sample size, uh, more chance for some randomness to cause the team that is less talented to win the football game. So, yeah, I think I think that that start. I would say if it's even if it's tied at halftime, that's when you're starting to think like, oh, oh boy, this this could go the other way. This could be changing the narrative of this buff season. The the whole narrative of Mel Tucker coming in, you know, if if he loses this game. That's the end of the honeymoon period. That's it right there. That's a good point. I mean, you can't, if you're a Buffs fan, just given how confident everyone is, especially, it would just be so deflating for CU from a morale standpoint in the locker room, from a support standpoint in the stands. I mean, it's not like they're not going to show up for Nebraska and Air Force if they come out flat against CSU, but I think people are going to start thinking like, oh no, man, like, here we go again. Yeah, and having spent time with Mel Tucker, you know, I am totally bought into him being one of the next big head coaches. I think four or five years down the road, either Colorado is going to have to pony up and give him more money, or he's going to be gone to a bigger school. Just because he does have that pedigree, he carries himself in that way, he has the football smarts, I, I don't know what he could possibly be lacking as a head coach, except for right now experience, and that'll come. The one thing I'm curious to see with Mel Tucker specifically, coming from the pro, from the back programs that he's worked at in the past, I think I'm sure that he's already experienced it a little bit. But I think there's a a reality check that sets in because as great of a football program as CU is, which it, it's a good football program, I'm not. This is not me taking shots. The resources are not that of the SEC. No, it it's not really even close. Isn't. And while it's easy to come out and preach like we're going to have the SEC mindset, we're going to have SEC mentality, we're going to play like an SEC defense, you also need the athletes like they have on the SEC. And while I am, I I do think CU has a very athletic defense and offense. I think they're just an athletic team in general. They are. That SEC mindset is not something that I think you can just install in like a month. Yeah, and like I get this close-up look at Mel Tucker every day where I could feel like, oh yeah, he's handling every situation in the way that I would hope a football coach would handle that situation. Buffs fans, though, they don't get to see it. You know, most of them, I mean, I guess the people who listen to the podcast have probably spent a little more time. They're reading up. They're uh, they're watching the spring game, that type of stuff. But to the, to the more casual fan, Mel Tucker's just a new coach. There's no reason to think he's going to be a good coach or a bad coach. If he comes out and loses the Rocky Mountain Showdown, there goes a bunch of the fan support, and that would be huge. You know, if if the, if the Buffs beat Colorado State and then the next week lose to Nebraska, Nebraska's a good football team. Stuff like that happens. I don't think that kills the honeymoon phase right there. Losing to CSU, though, would have this team crashing back to reality. It's definitely a big game for both head coaches. I, You'd have to go back a while to find a Rocky Mountain showdown where there's this much at stake for both teams. Obviously, CU, you know, and we've talked about them before, this is a non-conference game. You can still accomplish all of your goals, whether you win or lose this game, aside from maybe if you're, you know, trying to win a national championship or something. 
I don't think we're putting those type of lofty expectations on CU at this point. But, you know, this is a game that matters a lot for Mel Tucker. Obviously matters a ton for Mike Bobo. He's 0-4 against CU. You know, I wrote in an article about a week ago, this is a, a talking point that shouldn't be quite as contentious as it is. CU's won three times as many games all time in the in the series. So, you know, really, this is a game where CSU should be kind of going in every year thinking like, you know, a win yeah. would be cool, but it's not necessarily realistic. The problem is Jim McElwain went two and one against CU in his three years in Fort Collins, and you're still trying to drink the Sonny Lubick Kool-Aid of the late 90s, early 2000s, and I get it. It was a ton of fun. Those games were amazing, but it's a, you know, it's a new, new generation of football players, and Mike Bobo has yet to prove that he has what it takes to coach a team in these big games, and it's, it's not just CU. It's Boise State. It's He's one in three against Wyoming, one in three against Air Force, zero oh in three in bowl games. They it just adds up. It does. It really does. It would be so huge for him to get this win. I think that that really could change the narrative, because I almost feel like the Rams have to be kind of a deciding point on him. They've invested so much in you know the school, all that, or in the stadium, all that kind of stuff. If if Bobo's not the guy. Now's the time to make the change. Now's the time to say we have all this going for us. Let's let's jump into it for real next year with a new era. It's definitely going to be a make or break season for Mike Bobo. He's a guy who I have great respect for. You know, he always treats the local media incredibly well. He's respectful. He's You can see that he genuinely cares about his kids and I've been around some coaches, football and basketball, I'm not going to name names. I think you know who I'm referring to that were genuinely not good people and they did not care about their players. And Mike Bobo is as far from that as it gets. He is a good man. Is he a good football coach though? I think has yet to be determined and we're going to really be able to come to a concise conclusion this season. Yeah. And I'll give my pick. I'm going to say Colorado wins 44 to 27. I think I'm going to give them 17 points as the final margin. Do you see that being more as they pull away late in the fourth or is yep. that okay? Yep. I think I think that it's a 10 10 point game halfway through the third quarter and at some point they gain another touchdown. You know, you know, you see that path to victory probably through the third quarter and then you start to think like okay, CU's CU's got this one. But again, like I said, I, I do see the path to Colorado State winning, and I do definitely see a path to, to this game becoming close late, depending on that secondary, depending on the Buffs running game, depending on whether Colin Hill is all that he's cracked up to be. You know, There's it's, just so much emotion in this game on both sides, man. It could go so many different yeah, ways. So You'd, much is unpredictable. But that's what makes this game so fun. Like, obviously, see you you know, you're moving on to bigger and better things with Texas A&M and some of these games they have scheduled a non-conference play over the next couple of years. And they will be fun games for the fans to attend. But, you know, it's not going to be the same deal where you have 20,000 students from both schools yeah. screaming at each other and it's chanting, different. fuck CU, and it sucks to be a CSU Ram, which can, for, for a brief second, let's just talk about how lame both of those are. CSU fans, <laughs> you're better than that one. Like, can we come up with something better than just chanting fuck CU for 15 minutes? <laughs> CU fans, can you really not come up with something more creative than it sucks to be a CSU Ram? 
It's it's the, awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's I almost mean, as corny as sco, which isn't a word. And I'm, I'm taking some shots ooh. here at the end of the podcast, <laughs> yeah, specifically so You're that I can get Allie down. fired Allie's up. wheeling herself She's over. She's coming in. Okay. All right. I, I agree. It sucks to be a CSU Ram isn't the best champ, but it's a pretty good chant that gets everyone riled up. What I don't agree with it is chanting that like at all times throughout the school year. Like when it's a Friday and it's a Rocky Mountain showdown, then yeah fans go for it but like you're playing nebraska and all of a sudden a sucks to be csu ram chant bursts out and you're like all right it's a little brother like eh, but this is the game this what i what i've gone back to so many times this week this is the game that the students care about if you are a college football fan you know you're more excited like if you're just a massive college football fan you're more excited for cu nebraska than you are for cu csu just given the stakes of the two programs, probably. Yeah. But, like, if you're a CU student, you grew up in Colorado, you don't really care about college football, because we're being honest, most generation of college students, my younger brother being one of them, somebody who played high school football, could care less about college football. This is the game that they care about. This is the one that they're passionate about. And it's it unfortunately can bring out the boast of both sides. I think one of those reasons is because it's like an event. Uh, it's everyone knows what's going on. It's the first week of school. You're going down to Denver. You're planning out like what you're doing after. And and it's a real party. And I mean, partying and tailgating at Folsom and on the hill and all of that is it's just oh that's so much fun but that this is like the one difference so i feel like that's why the students and it's just when you're a freshman who may not even care about football as much like my little brother it, we recruited him guys bsm buffs fans he is a buffalo and he is a freshman and he has a bunch of friends who aren't that into football but they all know like oh no matter what we got to get the student package because we're going to denver for the rocky mountain showdown so i understand though like we talked about in the denver sports podcast why the adults kind of don't think of it as like the older folks don't like to tailgate there but it's just it's the thing for freshmen to do that first week i just think it's important given that college football as a whole it's less popular than it was a decade ago attendance continues to decrease by the year part of that is not necessarily that people don't like college football it's just that with tv packages being what they are today like you can stay home and watch six top 20 matchups or you can go and spend five hours in one stadium and win csu and cu or you know even if you're a, a bowl team like if you're a six or seven win team, if it came down to, do I want to go to CU versus Arizona State or do I want to stay home and watch Alabama Auburn? Like, it's just such a tough call now. I just like that there's a game like this on the schedule where you know, like, people are going to be passionate about it and people are going to show up. Part of that is just me wishing, like, students would care more about sports in general at both schools. Yeah, it surprised me as well to hear that that is such a problem. Like, coming from Montana, like, sure, it's not what it was a couple years ago because the football team hasn't been competing for national championships. The student section kind of deflates after halftime, which it didn't used to in the past. But it does sound like there are more serious student interest problems here. And part of that, I guess, is just because there's so much to do. It's just in the Colorado in the fall is untouchable. If you're into outdoor activities, it's tough with hiking and everything there is to do. Boulder and Fort Collins, both really great towns to just spend a day in outside and have some beers, like not have to deal with the headache of the traffic and stadiums and security and getting in and all that stuff. But for some people like me and like you and like Allie, 
you know, this is as good as it gets. This is the, you know, college football, college football Saturday. What's better? I think it's just uh, the obvious winning seasons mean a lot. And for this upcoming freshman class, they know most of them know the rise before the rise. What was there? It's hard for um, young students who aren't that interested in sports to think of CU as a football town. And I got a lot of heat the first podcast I, I did on BSM buffs for saying that, but you didn't really hear people saying like, oh yeah, I went to see you for the football. It's not like going to Alabama for like that experience, going to Penn, going to Notre Dame. Um, But now that you had a season like the rise and you have more of a hype, I feel like with um, students, they have something close to them that they remember how cool that was. And um, Darren Cheverini posting a picture of like the student section completely taking over the field when they won the Pac-12 South like that's cool like I see my little brother's friends are like oh we want that again and so that there's an expectation there and of course with CSU once they start winning those fans come out and it's bandwagon-y but I mean it's college so not that many people will necessarily care Um, but when they win then it's like oh this is a fun thing to do on Saturdays we gotta go to the game well people who always support a winning football team I mean it's just it's easy like it's easy to root for a winner but i think i don't want to imply that either one of these fan bases are like bad but they haven't been consistent they're they're diehard fans they're incredible diehard fans and they subscribe to bsn denver but i mean if you if you're a 20 something year old right now or early 20s your entire life basically cu has been irrelevant csu has been irrelevant at least nationally you have the rise in 2016. You have CSU's 2014 10-win season, which ended with them getting blown out in a Las Vegas Bowl. Pretty much the story of CSU's life. And then before, other than that, you got to go back to like 2005 and the days of Gary Barnett. Like, exactly. Most people don't even remember that. So you have those diehard fans that grew up and just loved CU and CSU, and those guys always show up. Um, but it's really getting both both schools working with the athletic department and really trying to find ways to motivate the students, the new students, to get into it. Because I knew a lot of friends who went into CU not caring about CU football and then left with like, oh my God, I have to come back to go to tailgates and go to a game at Folsom. Like that was the best part of college. And then there's other people who just didn't really have that experience so it's all about the athletic departments for basketball and football really trying to get the fans the students interested definitely agree i think all three of us just want to see college athletics be relevant in the state i mean there's csu pride there's cu pride but just logically like if we could get to a place where both of these teams are even top 40 consistently not even like top 25 just be, It'd be relevant it'd be huge for bsn denver it'd be huge <laughs> getting for subscriptions. people would be people would be watching buying shirts be incredible but yeah no i think it just confuses me how do these kids feel like there's something better to do than go watch college football like that will just never register with me because that's what you grow up wanting to do like like i was saying that's the best part of college i'm so excited the buffs bye week in november i'm heading back to missoula Grizzlies are playing Weber State. Uh, I was looking through the other schedule. Like the Lady Grizz are hosting Arizona, a Pac-12 team, which is going to be incredible. And like those are the experiences that I just live for. And to see that other people don't even care at all, it's just weird. I just think, you know, it goes back to what we said with Boulder and Fort Collins, having so many alternatives. You can get 
it, they're just fun places to be like it's easy to yeah i don't know spend your saturday drinking on the hill or with your friends hiking instead of but i agree man i've for, as someone who doesn't spend a whole lot of time in the sun <laughs> other than when he's on the sidelines um i'd rather be on the couch watching football or in the stands cheering on my favorite teams i agree it definitely is just there's so much to colorado being an incredible state and people from all over wanting to come here and go hiking and go partying and it's like i said a lot of that era of like oh see you football like that's why i want to go to school there and CSU took it past and now it's about getting back to that and having excitement and maybe that is with a new head coach for CSU if things don't go that way for Bobo this year this year and then same with Mel like having that excitement and that's Mel's goal Mel Tucker's goal this year is to bring that atmosphere back to CU football that's really exciting it is exciting and it's exciting that the Rocky Mountain Showdown is finally here finally I'm I'm stoked to see how it plays out. I do think CSU is going to be competitive. I hope they're competitive selfishly just because I'm so tired of watching these blowout football games. Yeah, 45-13 last year, 17-3 the year before, 44-7 the year before that. Year before that, first year Colorado's winning streak was an overtime game. So like that's they haven't been great games recently. Just they really have. I mean, the the 2017 game was competitive. It's one that yep. CSU fans will forever look back on bitterly, just because of how it played out with some of the pass interference calls. But I mean, they had every opportunity to win that game. They just couldn't put it together. 2015 Bobo's first year. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure CSU missed three field goals in that game, and then ended up losing by a field goal in overtime. Absolutely brutal. But that's, I mean, it's pretty much just been four years of brutalness if you're a CSU Rams fan. Yeah, and the surprising part to me is looking back through that, Colorado was favored in all those games, but they were favored by one score. Seven points, nine points, three points. Like, I mean, historically, more games, at least going back, if we're going back to like 2000 when or late 90s, there have been a lot more one-possession games than you know otherwise so and even when it ends up pulling away for the most part it ends up being like 13 14 not 45 to 13 or whatever it was last year i just want to see a good football game i just don't want to be disappointed after building this up after sitting through terrible broncos preseason games i want to see good college football competitive and even if it's not competitive you know don't make it uncompetitive because people are fumbling the football or because there are penalties. Like, go out there, play football, make it fun to watch. Just give us something. Just create some buzz for the season. I think both programs yeah. will benefit from it immensely if you have a competitive football game. Man, it's here. That's, that's it's here. really all I think we have to say on it. We'll be at the stadium live, so make sure you're keeping up with BSN Buffs, BSN Rams. We're going to have all kinds of live content. All sorts of stuff. It's just going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. And we get to do it together for the one time this season. It's going to be fun. The, the best the, part. The dream team. The dream team. Plus, Allie's back. Do you want to make a prediction real quick? Uh, well, I think CSU will destroy CSU. Um, But I just want to say, since I don't cover the, the buffs anymore, Sco Buffs. That's cute. <laughs>